Hello and welcome to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome to our viewers, to our listeners on the radio and on our new podcast. Today we're getting an update from the 16th Congressional District at a time when so much is going on in our nation and around the globe as well. My guest, of course, is Republican Congressman Mike Kelly. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So much to talk about, but we will start with the situation in Ukraine. Uh, how concerned are you about what really are precedent-setting actions by Vladimir Putin, essentially unilaterally saying these regions in eastern Ukraine aren't Ukraine anymore, uh, a real pretext to move in with troops? Well, when you look at this, I, I've said from the beginning, this is a, a European NATO problem, uh, which we could probably be part of, but in a, in a larger sense of what's happening right now. Uh, I think the Ukraine's the beginning of something that we looked at in the 30s, uh, and this will continue as we go forward. I, I really believe that this is a distraction for what's going to be taking place globally between both Russia and China, and I think while we're looking at Ukraine today and our possible involvement in Ukraine and what we could do, I'm also saying don't look too far down the road. Taiwan's coming up next. China's being very aggressive there, and if we look in our world, our Western Hemisphere has been under great assault for many years. South America, Central America, the Triangle. Cuba with its deep water ports and both ends of the Panama Canal. So people ask him, so what do you think about Ukraine? Here's what I think. I think that there are a lot of bullies in the world right now. And while the temptation is to make this about a weak political stance that this administration is, I think we've got to be looking beyond that right now and say, let's, let's get past the politics and start talking about the policy. These are American crises that we're going to be facing, not just Republicans or Democrats or independents, but every single American. And we're seeing the results of this disruption almost with everything across the board. Yeah, a lot of people making comparisons to pre-World War II <clears throat> times. So I think you're saying if we don't nip this problem in the bud, we've got a lot of other bigger problems brewing. So the sanctions that President Biden imposed, are they the right actions and is it enough? Uh, he, there, again, there's too many political opinions on this as opposed to worldwide policy and what do our, what do our allies and what do our, the people around the world that look to the United States for leadership, uh, what are they taking this in and what are they looking at? Because I think that so far, uh, setting, going back to last August with our withdrawal from Af Afghanistan, our positioning, our question from not only our own people but our, our global citizens is, is the United States the United States that we've always relied on? Is America as strong as we need America to be? And I think the answer is right now, we really don't know. Uh, look, again, were the sanctions enough? I don't know that they were enough or weren't enough, but I do think those storm clouds, global storm clouds are gathering right now. And I think that would be foolish to look past anyone and say, you know, I think that if we would just had done this, it would be better. There's a movement underway right now that really threatens the whole world. So speaking of those threats, I mean, once the sanctions are imposed, I mean, President <clears throat> Biden is saying he doesn't want U.S. to get involved in a ground war should it keep evolving to that. Uh, but we're hearing a lot about possible cyber attack retaliation on the U.S. here. We've already seen a lot of playing around with that um, from energy, from healthcare sectors, I mean, townships, I mean, all kinds of sectors. So how concerned are you about that? How crippling could that kind of a response to the U.S. be? Uh, I would just say that right now, the, the most critical aspect of it is the cyber attack. Uh, countries can be completely destroyed without affecting any of their physical assets. Our banking system, by the way, almost anything that you look at, energy right now, there's so much opportunity for disruption through cyber attacks. And we've been through this before. 
look, I don't think that where we are today that we can even begin to understand what it is that we're going to have to do to firewall to make us safe against this taking place because it is an uncharted territory and I think we're going to see more and more of that happening. Say, why didn't we know about this beforehand? It's because it's had never happened before. So let's let's turn this to your level, to the congressional level. Mm -hmm. I mean, President Biden is saying, for example, if energy costs shoot up everywhere because of everything that's going on, you know, he'll protect Americans at the pump. How would he be able to do that? Would Congress have to help him do that in some fashion? Has he had those conversations with you guys yet? And and uh, you know, with already so many funds committed to COVID recovery and infrastructure, mm. is there funding to help prices not gouge Americans at the pump because uh, of all of this? Well, I think, you know, any type of action that takes place beforehand would have been good. Uh, shutting down the Keystone Pipeline was absolutely, I, I have no idea how that came up as, uh, as the idea that this would be good policy. We were, uh, a year ago, energy independent. In fact, we were one of the biggest exporters of energy in the world. Uh, we are not in that position right now, and so we cut off our own supplies, we cut off our own access to domestic energy, and then ask people who are bad actors around the world, would you please subsidize what we no longer do for ourselves? The other critical aspect of that is, we ask our allies, please do not buy energy from Russia. Their, their question, quite honestly, is, well, if we don't get it from them, where would we get it? Because you no longer are in that position. So I, I, I'm not sure I understood why President Biden did that, other than trying to do something to the green energy people, saying, listen, well, I'm going to do this. If I get in there, we're going to shut down the Keystone Pipeline, and we'll, we'll really limit any type of domestic uh, production. The question, obviously, is, is why would you do that? The price at the pump is felt by every single person with every single good that we actually buy. No doubt. No doubt. Well, you know, <clears throat> President Trump, uh, former President Trump, commented earlier this week on all of this, really speaking about mm -hmm. the savviness of, of Vladimir Putin. I mean, you've been around for a long time. Is there an unwritten rule in the U.S. that in delicate times like this, the U.S. government should be speaking with one voice? I mean, we reached out to see if Tom Ridge would comment. He politely declined. So is that a dangerous thing? I mean, should, should, uh, should the former president let the current president be the speaker on this topic? Yes. Yes, uh, my dad was a World War II guy, and I have a lot of friends whose parents were in World War II. I asked my dad at one time, we used to take a ride together. He was in his late 80s, and I said, tell me what it was like during World War II. Did you disagree with some of the, some of the st strategies? Oh, absolutely. I said, so you were in the Air Force, you were flying bombers, and you disagreed with some of the decisions. He says, yes, but in the military, you follow orders. And I think for anybody that's in that position, leadership requires strong people that can speak clearly about what it is we're trying to do. I don't think it should ever be a Republican-Democrat issue. And the temptation to paint a political party with all these problems really defeats the fact that we are the United States of America. We are the greatest representation of humanity across the world. We, we are the ones that are always the, the emergency people that show up, right? Uh, if, there's, if there's a tsunami, if there's an earthquake, if there's something that goes wrong, who's the first responder? The United States. When something that happens in the United States, who responds? Nobody from around the world. We stand on our own, and we need to stand on our own. But in times like this, please be red, white, and blue. Don't tell me you're a Republican and you wear red, or you're a Democrat and you wear blue. Just say, you know what? We're red, white, and blue.
I think we have both colors. Yeah, we did. I, right. I wore a lot of blue well, today. When we come back, we're going to talk about the stresses on the U.S. economy and how Congressman Kelly's office is hoping to help with a new business roundtable. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. My guest today is U.S. Representative Mike Kelly from the 16th Congressional District. We are getting updates from the district. So I know this week you hosted a new business and economic roundtable. I think the meeting was in Sharon with representatives from 17 different economic sectors. So I think your goal was to hear their worries and maybe their ideas on solutions. So tell me a little bit about what everybody had to say. Common threads here, obviously inflation, a huge issue. Supply yep. chain, yep. a huge issue. Yeah, and the, the biggest issue that every one of them expressed was the inability to attract talent to come into their business. Wow. And people who had worked with them before no longer coming back to work and saying, you know, I don't know how we overcome that. The supply chains are everybody's problem. Uh, inflation is everybody's problem. And I think the idea was let's actually bring people in who face these problems every day. And the old saying is you can't fix something with nothing. Let's go to the people who actually face this every day and say, you tell us, what can we do from our position? And I've always re regarded myself not as, I hate the term congressman. I, I like the term representative. I think that's, that's much more inclusive as to what it is that we do. Uh, when you talk to these folks, the, the availability or the, the ability to go to their lender and get funded, uh, their ability to, to attract talent and keep talent on board, uh, all these things roll into everything that happens every day. And that's the, the price increases. Every time there's a price increase, somebody at the bottom gets knocked off of the ability to actually participate. So what are your legislative ideas? I mean, I know you've only had one yeah. of these meetings, but are there things that you can do for them? And is the Ukraine situation only going to make some of these problems worse? Well, I, I think Ukraine is a problem today, but there'll be other crises as we go forward. The big question is, so how does government work to keep you healthy? And it's usually through tax policy and through regulations. When we tax you at a level that makes it hard for you to prosper, if we put you in a situation where we regulate you to the point where you can no longer compete because of the overregulation, most of it starts off as well intended, but sometimes it doesn't end up that way. So I think the role that we play is so we look at each person, we look at each business, we say, okay, so where is it that government could help you? Where is it that government hurts you? And you know, you look at it, at least across the board, it's local taxes, it's, it's state taxes, it's federal taxes, and people say, well, it's okay, it's federal taxes. It comes out of the same pocket. There's been a huge debate about minimum wage for years, yes. but it seems like employers are pushing up the wages themselves because they're trying to get people to come back to work. So is that a problem that's going to correct itself without um, you know, legislative inter intervention changing minimum wage, or, do, or do, do we need to look at that? I've always thought, because I've been in business my whole life, there is no such thing as a stated minimum wage. Uh, the talent that you're looking for and the assets that that person brings with him or her sets in an altogether different level. A government statement of what the minimum wage should be is absolutely ridiculous because you go from region to region and the cost of living differs. Why don't you look at it and say, who is it that you need? What talents do they have to bring at the table? And what is the local market for that? I've never thought that the minimum wage, I don't have anybody that ever worked for me that worked at minimum wage. We knew what we needed and we knew what the market was for that labor and we would encourage people, come on board, you may start at the bottom, 
but you can rise the whole way to the top. Most of the people that manage Kelly Automotive right now are people that started at the lower levels and have worked their way to the top. So were you impressed by or surprised by anything that these leaders had to say? And how often are you going to meet? And is this a bipartisan group? It is a bipartisan group. Uh, we're going to try to meet, uh, at least I think if we could meet, no, no, no less than quarterly, right? Uh, but I think what all of them are saying is the same thing. We need relief. We need some relief. You know, the CARES, the different packages that we put together uh, were very helpful, but they're not sustaining. They're not going to go on forever. Uh, the question is, how do we get back to the old normal, not this new normal? The new normal is nothing that we can operate at. Let's get back to the old normal. Uh, we'll see what we can help them in the fact of what, what do we do with our taxes? What do we do with regulations? What do we do to encourage people staying in school and getting educated for the opportunities that are available? And let's get ready for this. And when you step onto the field, you can step out of the classroom, onto the field, and actually play and be productive. Uh, last quick question on this topic. So is the Trump tax package going away? Is that expiring? Will it stay? The Opportunity Zones yeah, and yeah, so on? Yeah, well, there are so many good pieces of that. Now, as, as you know, it does expire. It does, it does have a run out on it. And then it begins to, what would we do again? Uh, and I just recently got on, on what I call tax policy. Uh, it's called, I think it's called revenue production or something, but it's actually taxes. I, I think that we can take a look at what was it that was working under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, including Opportunity Zones, and say that was a really a successful piece of legislation. And until the pandemic hit, we were really, we were skyrocketing. Now we've got to get back onto that same idea of what is it that the government do can do to promote those businesses. All right, when we come back, we'll kind of continue this conversation because we'll be talking about spending the ARP funds and recent changes right here locally from the Brent Davis administration. Stay with us. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome back to The Insider. The conversation in between the segments just as interesting as what you're hearing as well. So we're talking with Republican Congressman Mike Kelly for an update from the 16th District. So Erie, the city, and the county have plenty of ARP funds coming, some already here. There's been a lot of planning on how to use those funds in the county, uh, but now Brent Davis has taken over from Kathy Dahl Kemper, and he's asking some questions about the plan the county council approved. Uh, wanting to pull back, for example, on uh, money for the new Diversity and Equity mm. Commission, wanting to pull back on funding from the Erie County Community College. Not saying they're never going to get it, but maybe reconsidering. So is that a scary proposition to move around with that stuff? Because we've heard, you know, you need to get this money in and you need to spend it by a certain date. Yeah. So if you don't have a good plan in place, I mean, could we not get some of that funding? And you really weren't in favor of this funding to begin with, were you? Well, it's not that I'm not in favor of it. But you can only spend a dollar once. Uh, and I think that the disconnect is, uh, I hear people in government all the time talking about, we're going to give you this or we're going to give you that. What they don't tell you is we're going to take it out of taxpayer pocket to do it. I've always looked at every single penny we spend is there is a responsibility to spend your own money. There's a greater responsibility to spend other people's money. You know, when you come down to the local handling of this, I really think that uh, a person at my level serving at the federal government, keep your nose out of what's happening locally. I really, what I favor, this is what we pretty much do in our families. I would like to see that money backpacked into the community. Let the community decide what's in its best interest and where would you get the most positive return on those dollars. The investment of those it comes down to really you have to be very close to the ground. You have to be very close to the people. And you have to be looking at, okay, what is the upside of this? 
We can spend money. It's very easy to spend money. It's hard then to justify what was the return on that. I think that the uh, past county council would say they did. They did take mm -hmm. that community yeah. input from the ground level to try to set up this plan. So there's a, a little push and pull, you know, some concerns that maybe the outlying municipalities weren't getting that piece of that, um, that it was more centrally located in the county here. So uh, again, is there a danger in taking time to figure it out or is it we're, we're still going to get our money as yeah, long as yeah. we show that we can spend it by 2024? Well, I think most of us were raised uh, with the old the adage that to measure twice, cut once. Uh, always look at things and say, what is the best outcome for this investment that we're going to make? And what's the return on that investment? I think at the end of the day, if you can't figure that out, then you shouldn't have the ability to go ahead and spend. I, I just really, I am absolutely appalled at where our debt has gone. We're over $30 trillion now. But if you add the unfunded liabilities for the United States of America, it's close to somewhere they tell me between 130 and 150 trillion dollars. Now people say, wait, what does that mean? I said, it means you're bankrupt. <laughs> it means you're bankrupt. And as we watch the money supply, as you know, we're printing more money now than we've ever had in our history. I think in the last six months, uh, over 40% of the money printed in our country's history has been printed and distributed. So I get that you're saying perhaps just accountability for oh, this process as it goes along. All right, well, we yeah. saw that uh, very scary bridge collapse in Pittsburgh. Amazing, really, that there weren't more serious injuries. And every time there is something like that, we hear about Pennsylvania's infrastructure and how many other bridges mm. are kind of in the danger zone, if you will. So, uh, you know, it, the debate over infrastructure in Washington took a very, very long time. Are you worried about other bridges in, in Pennsylvania, in your district, that we, we need to be uh, getting those fixed now and rather than later? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not just with our bridges, but all our hard assets. So whether it's our rivers, whether it's our, our railways, whether it's our runways, whether it's our roads, all of these things are important. And the question is, so why did we let it get to this point? And I know when people build something, there's usually this caveat that keep 10% of what you built as your backup. So if you have a roof that you have a problem, if you have an air conditioning heating system, there's always money set aside for that. I, I'm mar I marvel at the fact that I know where that bridge is. I've gone over that bridge myself. My question is, who the heck was watching it to begin with? And if the answer is, well, I mean, nobody said, really? We do have people that are employed to do that and to work in the best interest of the public. So do Republicans have a better idea for infrastructure? Yeah, we do. Yeah. If you, it, yeah, if you take a dollar out of a taxpayer's pocket, use that dollar to actually work on infrastructure. Don't say, this is the new way that we define infrastructure. And by the way, out of that 1.3 trillion, only 1.3 trillion, uh, 50 cents, maybe 50 cents of every dollar will actually be spent on infrastructure. The rest will be spent on some kind of a, a wacko wish list that's out there. And they say, wait, that's not infrastructure. Say, I know, but we're still going to use your money to do that. All right. We can't certainly sum up COVID-19 in a quick answer, but I'm just going to ask you, um, are you feeling confident that we're coming out of COVID-19 at this point in time? And this has really been a divider mm -hmm. in the country, too, over masks and vaccines. It just doesn't seem to end. Yeah, well, it's become political, which almost everything in our life has. Look, I had COVID. Um, I've been giving plasma to work for a therapeutic. My disappointment is we keep talking about vaccines. We don't talk about therapeutics. And as you know, the vaccines keep you from getting it. The therapeutics make you healthy after you get it. Uh, it's become, again, it's just way too political. What's the answer? And I really believe 
that in, in your lifetime and my lifetime, the people that raised me said to me, you know, always act responsibly. So there's a responsibility that goes with all this. But I do think uh, COVID has become a distraction of some other ills that we have. Uh, and every time it seems that those things surface, right away there's a new variant. Uh, my hope would be, and my prayers, are that somehow we find an answer to this, but also foretold as forewarned. We've known that something like this could happen. Uh, Ebola could have been that, but we got through that. This has been a major awakening for, I think, the whole world as these things exist. And the ability we have to be in Africa this morning, in the U.S. this evening, this makes it very transmissible around the world. So we better be careful about what we're handling. All right, Congressman. Well, when we come back, uh, politics and redistricting in Pennsylvania. Stay with us. We're back with Congressman Mike Kelly, and uh, we talk about you're from the 16th district, but you don't even really know right now what the boundaries of your district will be. I have absolutely no idea what the district's going to look like. I will say this, though. 2016 was really a very difficult thing that we went through. The maps should have gone through to 2020, and once we did the census, then we should have been redistricted then. Something started in 2016 that now sets a legal precedent going forward. And uh, some folks, some other Congress people, really uh, their districts may be very different in, in makeup. So is this also pushing up so close to when the elections start? It's already beyond being too close to the election. It, it kind of disrupts everything. Uh, the other thing, there's a great cost to taxpayers for all this. You know, everybody that works on this gets paid by taxpayers to do it. Uh, I, my personal opinion is we'll probably see what we saw in 2016. Uh, we couldn't come to an agreement then, I shouldn't say we, because I had nothing to do with it. Pennsylvania's legislature, which was dominated by Republicans and a Democrat governor, could not come together on what the districts should look like. Uh, so a professor in Stanford, California, was who we went to to determine how should these districts be drawn. Now, the other problem, Lisa, as you know, this year, we lose a seat. Yes, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about efforts to open the U.S. Capitol. Parts of the Capitol mm -hmm. have been closed to the public since COVID began. Um, is that because of COVID? Is that more because of the insurrection? And are you working to change that? Well, we are working to change it. Uh, another congressman from Ohio, Bob Lada, and I think there's 67 or 68 other members that are on board. And, you know, it's called the People's House. Uh, and only part of the Congress is shut down. So when you talk to people, the Congress is actually made up of the House of Representatives in the Senate. The Senate is open. The House of Representatives is not. People say, well, why isn't? I said, Speaker of the House has that responsibility, has that jurisdiction. Uh, Ms. Pelosi can do what she wants that. She can open it. She can keep it closed. She can do anything she wants with that. I believe, I believe that the greatest, the greatest uh, republic in the world, we're not a democracy, by the way, we're a representative republic. We are the greatest government in the world. And you know what made it great? Our citizens had access. They could come into any of our offices. They could go on, up and sit in the gallery uh, and, and actually view what the people they elected to represent them were doing. And I just think that that is something that makes us unique. And that is something that we really miss. So down to about the last 30 seconds, we got some people running for U.S. Senate and governor in our state that Jeez, maybe yeah. really aren't from Pennsylvania. Any thoughts on that? And this is a short answer. <laughs> no, I don't have any, any thoughts on it. I, I, I think that, uh, look, it, this is open season. Uh, I really think, look, we have really good people running, and it's up to the voters to decide who is it that you want in the Senate, who is it that you want in 
uh, the governor's seat, and more importantly, who do you want representing you, your local congressman? So right. that's my main concern. A diplomatic answer. <laughs> uh, Representative Kelly, thank you so much thank for you, being Lisa. with us. Thank you for being with us, and join us again next time on The Insider.